Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, November 14th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Taurus, and I've got my guy Kenny here as we go together and take on a 10-game slate that is going to be gracing us with his presence on this uh, Tuesday evening coming up. Now, we're recording this the night before, so always keeping an eye out as far as injuries are concerned and looking at how big these uh, slates can get and how large the margin of error can be, you definitely need to get yourself onto sportsethos.com and subscribe to that DFS pass to make sure you are on top of it. But Kenny, my guy, and we were talking a little off, uh, off the, uh, off the stream itself on how things have been going on the night itself. Uh, sounds like it's going to be a long night of basketball for you. Yeah, man, it's going to be a long night. Um, I was a little disappointed in Emmanuel quickly tonight. Was able to get up a couple shots, just couldn't get them in. And Carter getting a hook on me for 6.5 points and finishing with such was kind of hurtful. But you know, it it's all it's all for the better. You know, it's in season in season tournament <laughs> Tuesday that we're getting into the first official in season tournament Tuesday. And I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm think I'm about to start saying thank God it's Tuesday because this this is a great slate, man. Um, how, how you feeling about your first official end season tournament Tuesday? Man? Well, as I was telling you, uh, kind of coming into it, it's it's definitely going to be a uh, transition process for me. I swear, I'm trying so hard to care about the idea that it's the in season tournament and all of that. It's going to have some sort of meaning, but. You know, right now it's obviously in its first iteration, and it's just the the money aspect of it, which uh, is great for, as you uh, as you pointed out, the two way players, the G Leaguers, who could hopefully benefit from that, and the other guys that are playing for them. But in general, there needs to be a greater implication for what's happening over here, and I'm sure over time, as we start to uh, really get into what it can be, you know, maybe your idea of what you were talking about as far as uh, seating's concerned might be something that comes into play. But I guess we'll have to see. But regardless, we're here at the first in-season tournament Tuesday, and at least we'll get to see uh, some of these uh, nice courts where, I mean, I, I think I'm a bit about 50-50 on it. Some of the courts look great. Some look like Boston, and they were absolutely hideous. But uh, what's your uh, what's your take on how the designs have looked so far? Uh, you know, it, it, it just makes me feel like I'm into this tradition. You know what I mean? Like, seeing these courts that I have no idea what they're going to look like when I turn on the TV. Mm. I really feel like I'm in in-season tournament mode. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to start it off. We're going to start talking about point guards. But do you think that Maxi could repeat that 50-point performance and have the second 50-point performance in in-season tournament history? <laughs> I mean, if he's if he's keeping up the way it is, the reality is Maxi hasn't had uh, more than one dud this entire season. And even that was uh, against the Raptors in the one game that he played. But beyond that, this dude has been ridiculous this season. So as much as his price tag is jumping up to 8,900, he's definitely on my list here. He's going to be one of those spend-ups that I'm, that I'm absolutely looking at. And as far as you know, matchups are concerned, I mean, Indiana has been just so generous to opposing uh, opposing fantasy players throughout the season so far. I think taking a look at the early uh, early spread so far, it is the highest game total on the night as well. Looking at a two forty and a half on that, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on board with the uh, with the maxi train. Looking on uh, looking on my point guard options here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I always feel like more defense will be played in these end season tournament games because <laughs> the. I've been a long time viewer of it. I watched the first two Fridays and 
outside of one blowout by my Clippers, I felt like most of these games were pretty competitive. So I feel like even though the Pacers have probably the worst defensive rating in the league by far, um, I might actually stay away from Matsy on this slate because I feel like that's too much of a chalk spot mm. that I feel like I will take the chance of fading in a GPP on a 10-game slate. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's really what it comes down to with these uh, larger larger slates in general. You want to, at least the way I found it in the last couple of us, and you know, Ramiz and I have done 13-game, 14-game slates at this point, which have actually worked out pretty well for me on those DFS nights. And it's really been very heavily kind of tethered around mid-tier guys that just happen to have you know great opportunities to do 6-7x on a, on a night here. And that's really where I am uh, taking a look at a bunch of these things here. So from a, from a point guard perspective... It was really that mid-tier and value area that I was uh, pretty interested in. And I mean, jumping all the way down to the value side of things, I do think Jacob Gilliard continues to be a guy that I'm going to really like as far as what Memphis is doing at this time with, you know, his, he obviously had his first uh, start against Utah, did really well in that game, did less so against the Clippers, but ended up just playing uh, less minutes in that game, just given how it happened to pan out, but still did pretty well for his, uh, for his value at that point, got about five X there. But his price tag has dropped a little bit more uh, down to 4,500 into this game here. And, you know, against against the a Lakers team that hasn't been great as far as uh, defending uh, opposing guards up until now and uh, him having you know this opportunity to be able to go ahead and really express himself. I'm, I'm liking him for 4,500 and it's probably one of the uh, value guys that I'm, that I'm really uh, building around. All right. That's a solid pick. Um I'm actually going to go a little bit higher up, still going to be around that mid-tier price, and I'm actually going to go with a point guard who recently got his role, and I feel like he's really going to shine in this um, in-season tournament game, his first in-season tournament game at home, and that's Keontae George. Mm. In the last two games, he was giving you 30 minutes a game, was averaging about nine assists, and only averaging 1.5 turnovers per game. So I really do feel like with this much usage, um, his shot hasn't been falling yet. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I want to say he shot two for 20 um, in the game against Memphis. And as you know, a lot of teams was able to put up points on Memphis. I think even Clarkson was able to have a nice little game when they played against Memphis. But mm-hmm. um, his shot hasn't really been falling in the NBA just yet. But his vision is great on the floor. He's still going to be able to control the ball, limit turnovers, and actually get you the assist that will help you. And in a 10-game slate, I really do feel like getting a potential 35, 40 fantasy point night from somebody from a 5-3 spot, especially in a matchup against Portland, I really do feel like um, you can set yourself up for success on um, this 10-game slate for 5-3 and rostering Keontae George. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that uh, 5-3 area is, uh, is a pretty good spot in general. And kind of sticking with that same 5-3 area, Dyson Daniels is the other one that uh, jumps out for me in this as well. Obviously, has found himself in a pretty significant role over the last uh, couple of games with, with like, like the laundry list of injuries that the Pelicans are dealing with. We already know about CJ McCollum, now Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, all these guys are sitting out here. And you're seeing Dyson Daniels playing at least 31 minutes in the last three games that he's uh, that he's gotten this opportunity to be able to uh, be a little bit more productive. And in the last game, got himself all the way up to uh, 34 DK points on that one. And really, it wasn't. 
I would say a performance that isn't repeatable from that perspective. Yeah, he shot seven of 12 and three of six, which, you know, even if he's not hitting those kind of percentages, what has been pretty, uh, pretty nice to see has been those rebounding numbers in the last two games. You know, 19 rebounds in the last two is, is definitely something that uh, is going to be interesting as it goes on. And again, uh, Dallas isn't really the biggest team out on the floor. They're often playing smaller lineups and, and everything else that goes with that as well. So a pretty decent opportunity for him to uh, replicate something on a game that has a 240 game total as well. So excited about that one as far as my last uh, guard pick is. No, that's a solid pick. And um, I'm actually going to pivot into a a dual position player Mm. um, in the same matchup. And this player actually, for the past two games, been giving you 10 assists a game and also 1.5 turnovers a game. And his shot was actually a little bit more solid than um, Keontae. And for 6-7, this is Skylar Mays. Um, after all these unfortunate injuries in Portland, um, I want to say they're down, what, three point guards at mm. this point in time in the season? Um, he really came in and actually just, like, took the role from um, and Shannon Sh- Shaden Sharp. Mm-hmm. Sh- Shelter Sharp? Shaden. I, I always forget this. Shaden. Shaden, yeah. Took the role from Shader Sharp as the primary ball handler on the team. And it really showed. They took him off of the two-way contract, actually gave him a full contract, um, giving you about 15 points each game. His three-pointer has not been falling yet. Um, I just remembered last season, towards the end, um, Portland had him, and his three-pointer was just falling like he was one of the best three-point shooters in the league. So... I really do feel like his price should continue going up, and I really feel like his shot should actually be going down. And hopefully, in a matchup against Utah in the end season tournament, he can actually find a shot. And I really do feel like that's another player who can actually have upside up to 45, 50 DK mm-hmm. points for a six, seven spot at point guard or shooting guard. Yeah, agreed. And I think uh, Portland in general is just down to the absolute bare minimum as far as their production is concerned. And I mean, for me, I'm, I'm totally on the uh, Skyler Mace train for that one as well, hoping that he can replicate even you know something of the uh, the sort that he did in the last game. Obviously, ended up with double digit dimes in that one as well. And it's just been a pretty good opportunity for him to basically show that he that he belongs, even if it's not necessarily a long term uh, project as far as uh, as far as Portland's concerned. Given you know Scoot's hopefully back within the next uh, two weeks or so. But until then, I think his price is going to go up closer to that 8,000 mark. So definitely somewhere uh, that I'm going to be looking at. And looking at the shooting guard side in general, uh, looking at someone in that same kind of range at 6,300. And again, it comes back to uh, taking a look at what uh, some of these uh, injuries are going to look like as far as the Spurs are concerned. We know that uh, Sohan is uh, already uh, questionable with his groin. We know Trey Jones is also questionable with his hamstring coming to this game. And really, in general, I've liked... Uh, you know, I've liked Devin Vassell for a while as far as uh, fantasy is concerned, but these last uh, two games where he's got double-digit shot attempts and all, and actually had 23-point attempts in the last two games in which he's hit 50% of those has just uh, kind of unlocked him as getting back to something that you know we really saw a lot during uh, last season when he was healthy. His price tag went up closer to 8,000, and I expect that you know obviously Wemby and all is the talk of the town as far as the Spurs are concerned, but if they truly do want to be something competitive over a period of time during the season they're going to need more out of Devin Vassell who in my opinion is their you know 
outside of Wemby and everything he does, he is their second best player as far as I'm concerned. So for him, for him to uh, be sitting in that 6300 mark in a matchup against OKC, which has been an incredibly high-paced matchup every time any team has gone up against them, and you know, looking at a 237 total here, I think he also has an opportunity to be able to drop 40 plus DK points on this night. Yeah, a really solid pick, especially in um, this projected total that probably will gonna probably gonna go up. I really feel like that's going to be a matchup that goes over total since um, San Antonio was able to stay competitive in most of their matchups this season. Um, going right back to the Portland-Utah game, this is probably going to be uh, my second to my last piece from this game, but I need to actually um, roster Jordan Clarkson in a good amount of lineups for 6-5. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier with Keontae George, he's been getting a good amount of assists, and a lot of the recipients for these assists was actually Jordan Clarkson who actually been finding his shot since um, his abysmal start to the season. I want to say in the first five games of the season, he was shooting less than um, 25% from the field. Um, his three-pointers still haven't came on just yet, but I really do feel like his usage is actually back on the rise. He's averaging the most minutes on the team in the past three games. So I feel like for six, five, and one of the higher pace games and how total games on the slate. Um, I will take another chance on another player who has probably a better um, ceiling than the first two mm. players in the matchup that I said, but also has the same amount of upside to giving you about 45, 50 draft king points. If the matchup plays out just right. Yeah, that's fair. I think Jordan Clarkson is pretty much made for GPP. He's either going to just break a break a slate for you or have one of those uh, 15 DK point nights where you are uh, left wondering why you even chosen to begin with. So Boomer Bust is exactly what uh, kind of makes him interesting as far as that entire GPP side of things are concerned. And speaking a little bit of, you know, I don't want to necessarily say boom or bust because he's just been absolutely on fire for the last little bit now. And we're going to get to see an encore of the matchup we just got to see yesterday, which was Minnesota taken on the Warriors and taking them out at home on the back of Anthony Edwards having an absolutely incredible night again. And this is with him shooting terribly from the three point line for the last four games now where he's taken a grand total of. You know, 30, uh, 33 three-point attempts of which he's only hit seven. So at some point, some of that is going to end up getting back to the norm here. But regardless, he's been averaging about 55 DK points in that time, has definitely enjoyed the matchup against the Golden State Warriors. He's just bullying all of his defenders on his side, both size-wise and just straight up blowing past them. I expect that Minnesota, who's been probably one of the you know early season surprises as far as how well they've been playing. I mean, their defense has been incredible, but from the other side of it, Anthony Edwards is really taking those uh, steps towards superstardom as far as I'm concerned. And for him to be still be in that kind of sub 10,000, like early 9,000 range, I think there's still more than enough upside for him to have kind of a mid fifties night as far as DK points are concerned. And he's probably going to be alongside Maxi, my two guys that I'll probably be thinking about in terms of my spend ups when, uh, when we're talking about all these other value guys that we're coming up with so far. Uh, that's a solid pick. And that's actually a game I was, going to go to um the other night but i i just decided last minute to bypass it and i missed a uh, pretty you know nice first viewing of um anthony edwards um but going a little cheaper and i'm gonna go real boomer bust i'm going back to this um san antonio game you mentioned before and for three nine i'm actually gonna have some interest in malachi mm. he's been getting 
want to say about 20. He, he's been a good rotational piece um, throughout the season. And if he could get his shot to fall, like I, I hate when I have to use that word for a player. If he could get his shot to fall, he can actually give you 20 real points in this matchup. And since San Antonio is lacking some um, primary ball handler options, um, he might be able to generate a few assists for you as well. So for 3-9, you're looking at a potential 30-35 DK point night if um, Malachi could find a shot against OKC. I like it. It's he was on my list as well as one of my uh, cheaper options here, and then really it comes down to kind of keeping an eye out on what some of these uh, also potential injuries are looking like to help him uh, solidify himself a little bit more as far as his minutes total is concerned. But definitely someone I've got my eye on over there. I'm going to move on to uh, some of the small forwards that uh, are jumping out of interest for me, and one of them is, is a bit of a broken record. I feel like uh, until uh, Jamal Murray comes back, this is going to be just a consistent pick for me just given how much uh, upside he offers for this price tag and that's michael porter jr still sitting at that uh, 6,000 range he's at 6,700 and as expected over the last uh, five games he's been sitting at about 42 dk points on average for his price tag which continues i think it's going to get into the 7,000s at some point once we start to uh, see that adjustment but until that happens uh, I'm liking I'm liking this price tag. I'm liking the opportunity for him to do well. And in fact, the Clippers uh, happens to be one of those uh, teams that he averages over 20 points a game on. And their splits last season as well did really well against them. Shot about 56% in the field in that time as well. And just continues to be that guy who's going to have to uh, be their uh, secondary offensive option as long as uh, Jamal Murray's out. And he's averaged about 16 field goal attempts over his last five. And I expect that's going to kind of continue the same, even if everything else isn't falling. I, I, I couldn't attest to it. Uh, that is a good pick um, against the Clipper. Um, but I, I actually need to go with um, one of my Clippers as a spin-up. Um, and that's going to be Kawhi Leonard. I, I really do like him in this spot. Um, I really do feel like his role was kind of shaky the first four games with Harden. Um, like, man, I want to set a games he played before Harden. It was against the Lakers. Double overtime. No, single overtime game. I want to say Kawhi got you about 40 that night. We ended up getting Harden, played a couple games in New York, and I don't even think um, his first um, road trip with Harden, he even combined to get you 40 points. <laughs> so I really do feel like something will need to change, mm. and I really do feel like some lineups will change as well. And for us to actually get some production going, we actually need to get Kawhi going as well as James Harden. So I really do feel like we're going to have some more stagger units out there when it's just going to be Kawhi and James um, in the lineup. And then they're just going to stagger Russ and uh, Paul George. And I feel like that's probably going to start tomorrow night in our end season tournament since, you know, we got (laughs) to get a win. Of course. You know. It, it's only four games. We've got to get a win. And I feel like this is going to be a nice little statement win to get the Clippers back going. And I really do feel like this is going to be a nice little 40, 50 point draft key night for him about 8 2. And um, I feel like this is going to be the spot for the bounce back. Yeah, I mean, they de- they definitely need it. I- I've been talking to my friends kind of nonstop about this. And I mean, Clippers really, as far as I'm concerned, have the whole season to kind of figure it out the way that the, the West is shaking out, even if they have 
a half decent run with these four guys. They should, in my opinion, walk into a top four seed in this Western Conference. But really, it, it comes down to, as you said, getting uh, them kind of working together, either staggering them or just not being in this position right now where it's like your turn, then my turn and trying to figure it out. It's been it's been really weird and it's sad to watch. And I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Harden fan, so I've been watching the Clippers since this entire thing happened. And I'm like, come on, man, got to got to figure out better ways to be able to get uh, get everyone's offense going here. So. Looking forward to it being a, a better uh, turnaround for them. I don't know if they necessarily uh, come out with a win, but that would be obviously super cool to do it in Denver. And as you said, it could help uh, turn some of that around. Uh, speaking of uh, turning some of it around, what we're seeing on the uh, Lakers side is that they're starting to turn a little bit of the rotation side around. And uh, we got to see Cam Reddish now be in a pretty, well, I don't know if I want to say secure role because it's always hard to be able to see what the uh, what the Lakers do night in and night out. But Two games now, we've seen him get his opportunities to be able to be involved, not only offensively, pure minutes total has been averaging uh, north of 30 minutes in that time as well. And we you know, got him to get to 37 DK points in the last one, 29 the game before that as well. And I think he's going to continue to uh, start at least for now until they figure out what's going on with, uh, with Austin Reeves in general. But in, but yeah, for 4,700, we're talking about a uh, value guy who's got the opportunity to be able to give you 6, 7x on a night. and. It's just going to be a small forward that I find myself sitting with at a bunch of lineups. And he's got the shooting guard eligibility as well. So you can always fit him in a few different spots. Yeah, no, that's actually a solid little plug and play into a lineup. Um, the other mid-tier small forward I had, um, I, I was actually surprised that um, his night didn't end up a little bit better than it was. Because when he was watching the game, it seemed like, he was making mostly everything he was trying to attempt. And that's actually Tobias Harris. He's almost had a sneaky 20 field goal attempt double-double um, against Indiana last night. And an in-season tournament play, plus I believe Batum is going to be out as well. Mm. I really do think he's going to be locked in probably playing 40 minutes in one of the highest game totals on the slate. So if you could get that for 6-4... Um, I, I really don't see how his floor of probably about 35 and a ceiling of about 45, 50 won't help you win a GPP. Um, since four, I, I really don't see anything on this slate that can really outpace that at the small forward position at that price. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tobias was on my list as a, as a power forward to try to fit, fit in with that. And I mean, on that same kind of note, I was actually really heavily looking at Robert Covington as well. Once the uh, the Batum news came out, I would expect one at 3,400. He's probably going to be in a position where he's going to need to play 25 minutes on, on this lineup here. And obviously, as much as uh, Covington is uh, who he is, he's able to slot in into a bunch of different lineups there. And that Embiid questionable tag is the one that uh, really I have my eye on as well, because you know, if that apps, if he ends up missing that game, then 100%. That a lot of these Sixers are going to be pretty, uh, pretty interesting picks to be able to take. Paul Reed absolutely comes into play for 3,500, and as said, uh, Covington you know, doesn't really need a super amount of minutes to uh, find himself in different ways to be able to contribute. He'll usually get his stock numbers to be able to get the rest of it going, and if even a couple of his shots hit, uh, he'll easily find himself into a, a situation where he's in the mid to high 20s as far as DK points are concerned. So can't go wrong for 3,400. Yeah, you're right about that, but um, right now, I'm just plugging Embiid in because it is an in-season tournament game, <laughs> so I'm treating this just like a playoff game, and Nick Nurse would never rest a starter in a playoff game. You should know that. <laughs> Absolutely. 
but you you mentioned power forward. Who's your favorite um, on the slate? Yeah, I mean, you already mentioned Tobias Harris because that was going to be the uh, the big one for me as far as power forwards concerned. The other one, and it's more uh, just kind of keeping a look, an eye on how he's uh, looked coming back, and that's uh, Cam Johnson at 5400. You know, he hasn't really had his uh, his shot going in the first uh, two games that he's returned, but his minutes total has continued to rise up, and we've seen what he uh, can do as far as an offensive option is concerned when he does get the opportunity to be able to shoot as much as he has been here, and. The fact that he went 5 of 16 in the, in the previous game, including 2 of 11 from 3, I'm expecting we're going to start to see some of that uh, normalize back towards his uh, his percentages there. And, you know, with, with Cam Thomas out, Ben Simmons out, Lonnie Walker also sitting at questionable coming into this game, he could very well see that same kind of minutes total coming into this. And I expect that uh, we see a, a nice uh, bounce back game for him and a, a pretty big night as far as his uh, price tag is concerned. Uh, that's a solid pick. And, um... You, you almost picked who I was actually going to go to um, at the same price as um, Cam Johnson. And I'm still kind of surprised he only gave you um power forward option. I, I was really surprised about that. But that's Duncan Robinson for 5-4, mm-hmm. especially going up against Charlotte. Um, I really do feel like if he could get his shot going, I, I hate saying that. But when you play GPP, you need to find any, any type of angle uh, possible. If he could get his shot going against Charlotte and he decides to get you a couple rebounds, I really do feel like this can actually be a 30 actual point night and um, possibly a 40 draft team points night if he could connect on five of those threes. Um, especially with the limited rotation that Miami been running with a mm-hmm. few players who are out and in, I really do feel like he's going to step it up just like he did in the playoffs last year. Last year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Duncan Robinson really, uh, to me, that was actually a really impressive game that he had against the Spurs. Not just, I mean, he didn't really shoot that many, like as much as Duncan Robinson is a out and out kind of three point marksman. He had 16 field goal attempts of which you know, only seven were from the three. And a lot of them, we actually got to see him you know, really showcase his dribbling skills. He had a couple of them where he broke an ankle or two, which is kind of not really what you expect from a Duncan <laughs> Robinson, but yeah, 39 minutes in that game. Uh, I think he's definitely got a a good opportunity to be able to do well. And I was between him and Cam Johnson as well. I just find myself liking Cam Johnson a bit more, just given uh, the situation where Miami is always a bit, uh, in my opinion, a bit weird in terms of who actually ends up getting the offense in the time that's there. But uh, to me, Cam Johnson should be a, a more featured offensive option as far as as far as Brooklyn's concerned. That's kind of my head to head. Maybe we can check at the end of the night who happens to outperform on that one and uh, put a friendly wager on it or something. <laughs> nah, I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> do you have any other power fours that you like? Because I got one more flyer. Yeah, go for it. That uh, Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to do revenge games every now and then. And especially if I could get somebody on a 10 game GPP for four three. And I'm going to take uh, maybe put him in one or two lines, but Shadiq Bay at four three, going up against Detroit. Um, he's been giving you about twenty five, twenty eight minutes per game, and he takes about seven threes a game. Some odd reason he started to learn how to rebound being on Atlanta, something he would not do back when he was in Detroit. So even if his shot not falling, his floor will be a little bit better, but nothing that you want to really take home because his floor is probably going to be about 10 DK points. But if he's able to get his shot going, um, he should be able to get you seven three-pointer tips, connect about 50% of those, get you about six to 10 rebounds as an upside. 
I really do feel like that's a 30, 35 DK point spot for four or three out of them. Fair. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a good pick to be able to potentially look at. And it kind of helps because I'm looking uh, pretty heavily at the uh, center side of things where there's a bunch of mid-tier guys that I want to be able to look at. So I'm going to need someone to be able to round out some of my uh, some of my cash spendings. And it might very well be coming from uh, from that pick there. But as far as, uh, as, far as center is concerned, the first one that jumped out to me and um, really, it was coming down to again how uh, how Detroit's looking as far as their uh, injury concerns are, are at the moment. Uh, Jalen Duran is uh, continuing to be out for this game, which he has uh, has been, I think, officially ruled out as of this uh, as of this evening. Then uh, Beef Stew, Beef Stew at forty uh, fifty seven hundred, who uh, went ahead and got uh, thirty one minutes in the last game, put up a double double in, in that one. Isaiah Stewart for. His, uh, his price tag in a matchup where he should uh, really get the opportunity to be a little bit more featured given the fact that Atlanta is going to be running uh, you know, a slightly larger lineup as far as uh, Clint Capella and Okongwu getting an opportunity to be able to even play together at times. And if Trey Young is out, it's likely where they're going to kind of find themselves uh, putting a little bit more emphasis there. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good spot for, uh, for Isaiah Stewart to continue to put up a, a solid double-double, giving you that kind of upside of hitting in the mid-30s as far as uh, his DK points are concerned. And for sub-6,000, I think that's a pretty good spot. And he happens to have power forward eligibility, which is interesting to me because I don't really think he plays too much power forward, but it's there, so he might as well use it. Yeah, no, that's a decent pick, but um, I'm actually going to spend up just, just a tad bit, just spend up just a tad bit. And go to this um, 12-2 price range <laughs> and um, actually go with uh, Jokic against the Clippers. Um, I didn't look at props just yet, but if you have Jokic at 4.5 free throw made in that game, just lock it in already. Um, it, it's we, we honestly don't have no answer for him. And... Um, him getting to the line is just something that's bound to happen. Um, I want to say in the past, uh, let's just say going from the bubble till now, uh, he probably averaged about eight, nine free throw attempts for a game against the Clippers. Probably going to get you around 10 rebounds. Um, numbers will be a little bit more inflated, but he's typically only playing 30 minutes or less against the Clippers. So even in that time, he still should be able to get you about 60 draft keeping points. And if this is a competitive game, which I feel like it should be, um, he should get you about 38 minutes on the floor. And at that rate, he should give you about three draft king points per minute. So I'm, I'm really going to lock him in into um, a good, good amount of my lineups, especially at that big price tag of 12-2 which is why I was looking for value mm. at all other positions on this slate. How do That's you feel fair. about big Jokic on this slate? I mean, I, hey, I absolutely love Jokic always. And as you said, the De- the uh, Denver Clippers matchup has been one that he's thrived in for a little bit now. And it's not that uh, I won't find myself with at least a little bit of exposure to Jokic. I mean, how can't you with uh, just how well he's been playing in general and how he's most more likely than not to be the you know the highest uh, DK points guy on the night. So if I can get enough value around him, 
I'll probably find him in a, at least a uh, you know, 10 to 15% of the lineups that I have set up here. But as far as uh, spend-ups on center is concerned, I've actually been going a little bit f- further down, and it uh, kind of goes back to my whole Anthony Edwards spiel on there. I think the reason why he's going to find himself doing really well is because Cat's going to continue to uh, kind of have his, uh, his fingerprints all over what he's been doing over the last two games here, which is really getting himself back to a greater level of confidence, not only in his interior offensive game we're seeing a lot more kind of those hooks and uh, uh, just touch around the basket where he's uh, really putting himself into those positions to be able to succeed and giving uh, Anthony Edwards a little bit more room to operate outside last two games 48 and 51 DK points on there obviously the Warriors game just happened so we can't get to see a little bit of an encore where he dropped 21 and 14 in that game and really did it without without breaking a sweat it was just probably his most complete performance of the season so far and the Warriors just really don't have the size to be able to go ahead and hang with him. So I think 8,100 gives him just so much room to be able to operate beyond that. He, I easily see him uh, dropping somewhere in the high 40s to low 50s as far as DK points are concerned. So he's probably my favorite kind of center from a value like ratio standpoint. But I'm, I'm totally with you in Jokic in terms of just being a fully dominant guy. Yeah, no, Cat is definitely a solid pick um, at 8-1. And surprisingly, I, I couldn't even throw um, Rudy in there as well. He actually had a solid game against um, the Warriors um, last night as well. Um, but for my second center, for some odd reason, I, I think I'm just spending up on centers for some odd reason. Um, I, I'm going with Bam. Um, I'm actually going to try and build a couple lines for an, um, GPP with Jokic and Bam. So that's going to be a good amount of my salary. I, I, I hate to say the number of how much that's going to cost me, but in this matchup against Charlotte, even Mitchell Robinson could get a double-double. Bam <laughs> has been playing outrageous this past two weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm in a couple basketball leagues, and I think this is the first time I've ever seen Bam um, outscore Jokic for the week. Um, he's just been on a tear um, in the past week. And I really do feel like going to Charlotte, if the game could stay close, I, I really don't see how this can't be a 50-plus point DK night out of him. And in the 10-game slate, I would take that chance. I would take that chance. Yeah, I like it. So that's, uh, what, about 21K locked up between the two guys there. So you're definitely Like I said, hoping. like I said, yeah. let's not talk about the price. <laughs> <laughs> I need to wait till news come out and work around it, but I'm at least going to have two or three lineups and GPPs with both of them. No, that's, that's completely fair. I think that's a uh, you know, good opportunity for them to go ahead and do well. And really the, uh, you know, other than Cat, I've been kind of going the other way around of uh, being a little bit cheaper on my centers. And the last guy I'm looking at is is really the one who's had the opportunity to be able to kind of do well in the last two games in matchups where he's going to have a little bit more size. And we get to see another encore with uh, Dallas and, and the Pelicans and Jonas Valanciunas and just only had to play 21 minutes in that last game to be able to put the kind of performance he did together. And I actually expect that he's going to play a few more minutes, given how well he played in that one, despite uh, the eventual result for them. Ended up with uh, a 15 and 10 night over there, 39 DK points on there. And last two games now has had uh, north of uh, 36 DK points in that time for 6,300. Again, it's, it's kind of a similar situation to Isaiah Stewart for me in terms of like who I who I think could be a, a solid center to kind of be that second guy who I know is going to do uh, do 5.5 to six for his uh, for his value over there to give me a little bit more comfort in spending up on on some of these other guys that may potentially 
you know, hit their value, but not necessarily go absolutely above that. So, you know, Valanciunas is the other center that I've been uh, looking at as a potential option here. You know, um, I, I like that pick, and I actually have interest in another player on the same team that I, I didn't even know was no longer a part of the Thunder until last week. And that's um, James Robinson Earl uh, for 3-9. Like I said, I'm going to have a lot of spin-ups in my lineup, and he's also power forward eligible. Mm. But for 3-9 and being on a team for only a week, he's been giving you about 20 minutes in the rotation. Uh, I want to say he gave you 20 minutes against Dallas. And I forgot who his first game was against. I think they played Houston. Um, I think he had around the same amount of time in there. But... He's a pretty decent rebounder, um, and especially since Zion is just choosing not to rebound this season at all, um, I really think somebody outside of Valanciunas will need to contribute to rebounding on the floor. He's able to space the floor out a little bit, too, as well. Um, I want to say against Dallas, he's probably took about two or three three-pointer attempts, mm-hmm. but he was able to get you about 20 DraftKings points for 3-9, and I feel like since... A lot of people don't even know he's getting minutes on this team and no longer on the Thunder. I don't think he would be too highly owned on this slate, especially with 10 other games playing. But for 3-9, and if he could get you 20 minutes against a, against Dallas in a in-season tournament game, I don't see why he wouldn't have a repeat performance on um, at least the rebounds and giving you a couple points off of offensives. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually didn't know. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I'm like, oh yeah, Jeremiah is on there. So yeah, that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting. As you said, he's played uh, 28 and 26 minutes in the uh, Minnesota and Dallas games there. So yeah, definitely one of those uh, kind of sneaky, sneaky picks that you can throw there. Expect to have low ownership and uh, see how that comes around. But yeah, that's uh, that's all for me as far as centers is concerned. Is there anyone else you want to talk to before we uh, before we wrap this up? Nah, that's all I have, man. All um, right, got through everybody. <laughs> Love it. Well, I, like we've been mentioning, you know, ten game, uh, ten game slates are always kind of all over the place in terms of how much uh, potential value there is, how much potential variance there is, and who you could uh, go about kind of selecting and who you build your lineup around. So, you know, definitely reach out to us on Twitter, on Discord, especially if you're not registered yet with the uh, Sports Ethos DFS Pass. Get yourself on there. Get yourself onto our Discord. Speak with the D- with the DFS pros that are on there. We've been doing this for years upon years and kind of pick their brains on how they approach these lineups alongside what we've been looking at so far. As always, you can find me on Twitter at uh, HRK underscore devil to be able to kind of talk to me about your lineup building strategies in these bigger games. I know Ramiz and I have been d- trying to do this for the last little bit now in terms of you know, trying to focus on a specific type of matchup or a specific type of player that we want to be able to get in on to kind of get away from the analysis paralysis, but always love to hear other takes. And Kenny, uh, where can the people find you as always? Yeah, as always, they can find me on uh, Twitter at, at OrangeDFS. And I'm always talking about all levels of basketball. Uh, we just got college basketball starting off. Um, Number one prospect on USC just dropping 30-point games like it's nothing. We got a double-week, Euroleague week. Um, Definitely down to talk about that throughout the whole week. Or just NBA. Any questions, I don't mind answering them. Love it. Well, I mean, we already know you're the yearly expert. Now you're going to be the uh, in-season tournament expert, of course, taking on the all that playoff experience you've gotten now in the last uh, two weeks of watching it. So let's see how it pans out there. But until then... And we've got uh, Ramiz and I coming together for tomorrow's uh, big slate as well. But uh, hope everyone enjoys the 
early in season tournament and we will see you on the next one let's take down some gpps You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.